my name is Joy Richardson. I live in Orlando, Florida. So hello and welcome to episode 13 of Mike's Open Journal. And as you heard the voice of the lovely Joy there, uh, it's going to be my guest on the podcast today. Once again, I've gone very much for minimal editing. Um, so there's a couple of things I'm going to point out to you. Firstly is the fact that there is a little bit of difficulty with some of the audio, particularly in the first five minutes, which I did later realise was Joy's fan. So we've got that turned off for the rest of the podcast, but there is a little disruption with some of the audio. Um, again, thank you very much to Joy for coming onto the podcast and a big warm welcome to you guys that are listening at home. I'd also like to say to you, if you are interested in coming in onto the podcast at any time to talk about anything at all to uh, kind of increase the conversation going on around mental health, I would love to have you on the podcast. So do get in touch online through Twitter and the website, which is obviously going to be in the description. Thanks for listening. Okay. <laughs> I, we... I was just listening to your podcast. So. Oh, what do you think? I love it. I love it. It's it's very open, very heartfelt. We talk about a lot of difficult things. Um, I learned we have a few things in common. Oh, what do we have in common? Um, I lived in Australia for a little while. And um, when I got back to the States, um, it was really hard for me as well. I think it's a massive change, isn't it? I don't know about where you are at the moment, but... I just found there was so much sort of open space and the people were really friendly and you felt very welcomed over there straight away. And then you kind of come back and uh, I guess like the culture or the environment that you find yourself in is very different then to what you've experienced out there. It is different. Um, I also, I met my husband over there and um, like you, we were married for eight years and then he also left me. So we had that in common as well. Oh, yay for the similarities. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the podcast is really born of um, initially the fact that I had a, a blog that I was writing uh, and found that really useful, really helpful uh, for me to kind of go through and be able to express some of the stuff I was going through. Um, but I was listening to podcasts as well and just found them a lot more I guess interactive because you could listen to them at different times so I'd listen to them at bed or when I'm traveling um, and thought it was a kind of a better way I guess to you can still do the blog for yourself um, but if you're looking to sort of interact with a few more people and kind of keep a conversation going I guess um, that podcasts seem to be a little bit more of an interactive way to do that. It is, it is such a good thought. Um, and I think through through doing that and then just having a chance to, I guess, interact with people that started to talk to on Twitter and um, other platforms as well, just give them a chance to talk a little bit about sort of what they've gone through, um, what they've experienced with regards to mental health or if they're involved in particular campaigns to have a chat about those. Um, or sometimes just have a bit of a chat in general if there's no real topics popping up to start off with. Um, so is there any campaigns or uh, anything that you're involved with at the moment? Campaigns? No. Um, I probably post maybe a, um, one, one post on my blog every week or two weeks. Um, and it's still quite new. I've only been doing it for a few months. Um, but I have a few people who follow me on Twitter who also follow my blog. Um, and I've, I found it. 
it's definitely a good tool i think for for that being able to talk through isn't it and you get a chance to put stories across and um so through your blog is that just your own uh kind of take on things or do you have guest blogs or my my main reason why i started it is because i was learning so much about mental health um and i was doing a lot of research um and i wanted to help um educate people who don't know about certain personality disorders and Mm. i have i have a couple myself and they're hard to understand um, so my main reason was to educate, um, but I do try to put something personal um, in every post that I do um, about my experiences with my personality. Oh, okay. Um, so you, are you able to tell us a little bit about uh, like the first time you started to find out about some of those disorders? Yeah, um, well, when I was uh, young, um, I experienced something called SRA. Are you familiar with that? Um, no, I'm not, I've not heard of that before. It's kind of ritual abuse. So when I was really young, I um, was abused by um, some strangers in, in Asia where I grew up. Um, and at that moment of trauma in my child's mind, I and dissociated from what was happening to me and what was happening to me. Okay. Um, and it wasn't until um, I was about 19 where it started to become apparent that um, I had several alter identities um, that dealt with certain memories that mm. were hard for my mind to fully grasp and comprehend. Um, and these identities, some of them had different voices, some of them were different ages, um, they held different memories, um, and it took, it took almost, oh, sorry, my alarm's going off. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. um, (laughs) It's that reminder. (laughs) It took, um, it, it took many, many years for me to, um, to find out about dissociative identity disorder and realize that it is something I have. And um, also, some of my alter identities have other personality disorders within themselves. So, the identity that you're talking to right now, um, I don't have, say, bipolar or um, borderline personality disorder, but one of my other um, alters does. Okay. So it's it's so complicated, and to try to make sense of it myself, um, I started to write information down and how that applies to me, what um, I've experienced and how it's been. And yeah. So. Oh, so it kind of sounds like there's an. I guess it starts from that kind of trying to um put things like in certain boxes or to cut oh the word uh sort of separate what's going on um within your mind and i guess does that to some extent then that creates that separation from you and the event but also leads to 
potentially some of those different personality types then coming out initially? Um, and is it that there's maybe um, a lack of opportunity to talk about in that the first instance that leads to that sort of progressing? Um, I'm sorry, I'm not following. Um, I think because I've spoken to one person before where they've um, identified that they had a number of different sort of personality types, but they weren't too sure about what was going on. Um, and their experience was that actually initially um, it was to do with a particular issue in their childhood um, and they weren't able to identify with the fact they had just um, really separated from uh, what happened in that event um, and the rest of their life and it almost created that second identity. Um, but by not really knowing what that was or how to talk about mental health, that allowed kind of the second identity basically to grow and to create its own character um, and become almost this completely separate person that they would become. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if that's similar at all or if it's completely different. No, that is very similar. That's very similar. Um, so I guess that kind of fits into the the idea of things like this where we just have a, a kind of a chat about different things and hope that um, maybe someone else that's listening sort of recognises that and is able to maybe better help themselves or come forward and talk to friends and family about some of the issues that they may be having as well. Yes, absolutely. I I myself have not ever met in person anyone else with dissociative identity disorder, but I found out that there are quite a number of people who do have it, um, and I've been able to talk to them on Twitter. Um, And it's just blown my mind how similar our experiences are. Um, And without... um, being online without my blog, mm. I would have never been able to have these chats, and it's so helpful for me. I think it is that, isn't it? It's getting that the conversation started sometimes, and I think some of the things that I know I really um, like, like may panic about or get concerned about, and you think, oh, it's just you that's going through that, and in the wider sense, yes, other people are affected by, um, so for me, things like depression, um maybe a bit of anxiety and things like self-harm um and knowing that in a like i say a general sense other people are affected by by that but sometimes it's recognizing like how similar those instances can be and like when you were saying earlier about kind of going away in that eight years and then actually that's a very very similar example um so it's not sometimes a case of oh yeah just generally there's other people going through similar stuff um, actually, you can have quite an in-depth conversation with some people about about what you're going through, rather than thinking, "Oh, no one's going to understand exactly what it is." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think um, for me, I have been learning so much about my myself and my the way that my mind works um, since my husband left. Um, because I've really had the time to focus on me and who I am. But you also brought up um, in one of your podcasts that there is a lot of hurt there because this is a person that you have trusted Mm. for so long. And um, myself, um, having uh, one of my authors, borderline personality disorder is sort of, um, it's sort of focused on the idea of abandonment, Um, and that 
something that I've really been working on recently um, because it, it's still fresh from the last last year. So um, that brings up a whole new kind of learning. I feel like in the past I've had people uh, betray me or, or break me who, who I wasn't close to them. They weren't family. Um, they didn't love me, so I understood that. Mm. But when it's somebody that you, you love with all your heart and you trust them, and then you feel that broken trust I'm going to ask a weird question. Um, is there any chance you could turn the fan off? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> It just started to get quite noisy, and I wasn't sure if it was a fan because I saw it out of the edge of the picture. Yeah, it was a fan. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a hundred degrees here in Orlando. Oh, it's definitely not that hot here, but it is pretty warm. I just come back inside, and um, like the room that I record in is next to, um, like it overlooks the road that I'm on, so I have to close all the windows, <laughs> and I'm like sit inside, absolutely roasting. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's okay. Oh, that's better sound now. <laughs> I just have to start sweating. <laughs> oh dear. Um, yeah, I, I think it can be difficult, kind of, because especially when, um, you're going through sort of certain things, and and I think naturally people will question who they talk to and who you trust with, um things that are going on within your life especially when you're not sure about what some of them are sometimes mm-hmm. and um where we've been in that in that place where the person that you love that you trust um is someone that hasn't completely got that or recognized it sometimes doesn't help um but just like the natural end to that relationship as well i think puts you in that state where um you kind of question uh, whether anyone else is going to be able to accept um, the issues or the challenges that you've got um, or whether even if it's just a friend um, you think well actually there was someone that was like the closest person to me and obviously this caused some sort of issue there how how are you going to kind of have that stable relationship with friends and I think again that sort of comes back to for me at least the whole point of just trying to talk as much as possible um and i've got a couple of friends that i'll i'll talk to about the troubles or the issues that i have um but still to sort of a wide set um a lot of people won't know or i won't really talk to them about those things and i think it's trying to start that conversation so maybe even for us to some extent that we feel a bit more comfortable with um some of if it's a close friend or a casual friend that you can just talk a little bit more about what's going on um because I think when um, on the last podcast, when I was talking to Kay, it sort of started to come around to the idea that actually some of the stigma that I feel, I think I put on myself. Um, and it's not necessarily always other people. Uh, I don't know if that sort of resonates with you at all. Um, I think that there are, there, I'm hard on myself naturally. Yeah. Um, 
So, yeah, I definitely think that there is some stigma, and I think you brought up a good point um, in one of your podcasts. You were talking about how it's difficult to start that conversation um, with just a, a random person mm-hmm. uh, about your mental health, and when do you bring it up? You know, it's, it's such a sensitive subject. You don't know um, if they are going to stigmatize you. But when you're um, in the survivor community, um, the mental health community online, um, it's, it's much easier because you can say something about your mental health and they all understand what you're saying already and they're in that spot as well. I think it's getting to that stage, isn't it? When the start of a conversation is so difficult, when you're able to find other people that have experienced some form of um, mental health disorder, whether that's themselves directly or whether it's they've had like a close family member or a friend, there's that kind of, I don't know, understanding or awareness at the start of the conversation. So you don't feel like it's the very beginning and you can kind of get going. I think it gives you or it gives me um, that bit of confidence at the beginning. Right. Right. And when I first started my blog, your your blog was one of the first I I'd ever read. Oh wow. Yeah. So excited. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's that challenge sometimes, isn't it? I mean, um I think mine um I love that other people have read it, but it it for me sometimes it is that it's a selfish self-help tool it's that chance to kind of get it out and um I think before I was really struggling with things like self-harm as well as it's just knowing that there's that stuff that's inside of you and Mm -hmm. it needs to come out in some form Mm -hmm. um and having that chance to kind of um just sit down and scribble it down Mm -hmm. was a huge help and still is um I don't always have the time that I'd like to kind of sit there but um I think it's it's that expression sometimes that we struggle with as to working out how the things that are going on in our head are able to kind of come out mm-hmm. um and I think that's where like I say that I don't know blogs have gone on for a long time but I think through mental health they've kind of taken a slightly different form where it can be kind of like a journal but it's also that start of a conversation rather than oh this is just what I did today or what I did yesterday um Mm -hmm. and that can be the change yep um and you you bring up um self-harm as well in um in your social media and I think that that's one of the most sensitive but one of the most important talks Mm. um, that we can have in the the mental health arena. Um, I have some experience with that. Um, I have, I'm a survivor of several suicide attempts, so obviously I'm not very good at it, but... um, You're still (laughs) here, so you are. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I have, um, I have harmed myself in the past. I have scars, um, but... Um, that's something that I haven't talked about in my blog mm. yet. And to hear you talk about it um, openly, that's just, I love it. It's its so brave. Um, and like you said, it gets the conversation started. And um, I'm really glad that you went to see the doctor um, 
when those feelings started to bubble up in you? I think it's one of those, um, like, for me, it was a really difficult time because um, I can't remember if I said, like, I, up until that point, I'd not really been to the doctors for about 16 or 17 years. And you get to that stage where you're just like, even if there's something wrong with you, you think, well, actually, it'll pass or you can get on with it and it'll be okay. And even um, I know for a lot of people going to the doctor and and just talking about mental health would be a struggle. But um, for me, it was an issue just to accept, oh, there might be something wrong and I might need to go to the doctor, let alone the fact that it was a mental health reason. Um, And to go in was um, a real challenge and a real sense of achievement after that. Um, And I had a really good couple of days after going in and that kind of was a little bit misleading at the time um (laughs) but you mentioned you didn't start taking your medication for a little while yeah um so I had a couple of good days and then sort of put little challenges in front of myself and um managed to kind of carry on for a little bit longer which was great um but that probably led to um the issue and the episode that I had at new year um where there was a lot of stuff kind of flowing out and um looking back um I kind of use that a lot as the like the reason for me to take the medication every day um to recognize that yeah, do you know what like medication's not for everyone some people don't need it or react badly to it um I didn't want to take it um but I acknowledged basically that at this moment in time that's something that I need um and I think that's another reason why uh, it's about sort of standing up and having a talk about it in the same way that, you know, if someone um, needed to take some paracetamol or ibuprofen or painkillers um, or specific um, antibiotics or something like that, that wouldn't be a huge issue. And people would talk about, oh, um, what are you taking? How is that working for you? Um, if you're wearing a splinter or a cast, people ask about um, like how that happened and how you're doing, how's your recovery going? Um, and I think just because it's it's mental health and it's that kind of invisible um, illness uh, that shouldn't really change. Uh, but for some reason, we're very, I don't know if judgmental is the right word, but very sort of visual in the way that we perceive things. And just because something can't be seen, a lot of the time it's yeah. misjudged, I think. Yeah, I, I, I know exactly how that is, not just in mental health, but... Um... Uh, When I was young, I felt like there was something different about the way that I thought um, and the way I processed things. And there were um, also changes that I was going through that didn't seem to be normal. Mm. And from the time I was young, my parents would take me to doctor after doctor after doctor. So I'm the opposite of you. I've been to doctors my whole entire life. Um, And it wasn't until I was... Um, 19 that um, I found out that the reason for all of this and even affecting my mental health was that I had a brain tumor. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so um, I I kind of feel like mental health is sort of like a, it's a physical, um, it is a physical um, illness. Um, it, it changes the way your brain works. Mm. But because, because people can't see it, um, it's not a broken arm, you know, um, like like my brain tumor. The, the doctors couldn't see it. Um, so I went for a decade without getting help. 
Um, and I think mental health can be the same. It's very easy for people to not understand it. And yeah. I think that's what they're afraid of. They, they don't understand it. They can't see it. They can't fix it. Yeah. It's, yeah, like you say, that need to sort of understand, to fix, to... Um, sometimes I think people want to ask questions that they kind of already know the answer to as well. They don't want to ask you something and not be sure exactly what kind of response mm-hmm. um, they're going to get from that. And I do think the people that have kind of come forward and sort of chatted to me a little bit more uh, within my friend group are those that have uh, gone online and read uh, a few of the blogs. And it's not someone that's just had... Um, I think I've probably posted to my Facebook page twice um, and had a few messages um, both times from people about that, but they'll sort of inquire, um, say some very nice things, um, but then you don't hear from them again. You think, oh, there's that nice kind of level of, I guess, acceptance that you're going for a bit of a challenge and a little bit of a lifeline, but then that kind of interest drops off. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's it's about making sure that those people that are around you all the time um, rather than those kind of casual friends are people that you're able to talk to um, because it's great to have that acceptance from people that um, are around you but if they're not people you, you're you always interacting with that doesn't necessarily help you kind of day to day with regards to kind of getting some of those things out talking about how you're doing um, it's about working out which which of those relationships or how those relationships are able to help you I think um, because I've realised I struggle sometimes with if I uh, have gone through like a difficult day or a difficult week and I am talking to someone that I talk to regularly I find it really difficult to go back and say actually the other day or the other week when I said I was okay I really wasn't mm-hmm. whereas if it's someone I've not spoken to for a few months um, and they ask how I'm doing I can a bit more naturally sort of tell them because it's not like I've left stuff out or I feel like I've maybe sort of misled them a little bit um and so it's kind of sometimes it's the people that you're not as close to that you reveal a bit more to I don't know um I guess that's different with everybody um do you have people around you that you're able to kind of talk through um your experience with I yes and no I I live a pretty simple life um I'm I live with my family um and I can talk um, through a lot of things with my family. They're very supportive. Um, and uh, I don't have a lot of friends outside of my um, family and, um, and my church network. Um, so I'm not really in the habit of sharing a lot of what I go through with others, which is one reason why I like um, blogging so much, um, but I do see a therapist um, every week. So what I'm, what I feel I'm not comfortable sharing with um, my family and few friends that I do have, um, I tell her pretty much everything. So. And how did you kind of find therapy when you started? Uh, no, it was horrible. Okay. I hated it. Um, I, I literally had to drag um, to see my counselor. And, and that started when I was um, 17. I started getting therapy. 
um, and I um, had you know, a lot of different therapists, um, partially because I was going back and forth between the States and Australia. Okay. Um, but I, I, I couldn't, oh, it was so horrible for me. It's so horrible when you start with a new therapist and you have to go over your entire path mm. um, to sort of catch them up to what you've been through and where you're at now. Um, so it's, it's, it's the idea of reliving that um, again and again with, with every new therapist. Um, but over the years, um, I got into a groove where um, it seemed a little bit more natural for me. And um, I was healing um, over the years, so it wasn't it wasn't another complete trauma having to talk about my past um, again and again. So now I love therapy. I look forward to it every week. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's building up that relationship again, isn't it? It's working out what works what works for you. And I mean, I've. Um, I think I've realised when I've gone um, either to the doctors or to some of the support work sessions that I've been to uh, that I will kind of more naturally and more happily talk um, to females rather than males and it's not that I have uh, an issue talking to men Um, I'm happy to do that but I just think I more naturally um, will feel more comfortable Uh, and I wonder, There's, I think there can be lots of reasons for that. Um, the fact that my parents split up when I was really young and I spent time with my mum and my sister rather than with my dad. Um, or even through doing things like this, sometimes you think, oh, is it that you have in your mind that um, idea that actually because it's to do with thoughts and feelings and emotions, that that is um, stereotypically more of a like a female reaction rather than a male one. So then you feel more comfortable um, because you feel like that's the more appropriate space. So, so I don't know if that's the like the stigma even inside me that actually if I want to feel more comfortable talking about these things, there's like um, a certain gender that I should be talking to rather than the other, um, which I feel really bad for saying, but I think... No, that's completely normal. I think everyone is, is sort of like that to some extent. I know many people who are only comfortable um, having speaking to... Uh, women or only men about um, their mental health and um, things that, that they're in therapy for. I, it's very common. For a while, um, I only um, like to see male doctors. And um, and now it, 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 it's both. It's the same mm. for me. Um, but, yeah, I think that's very common for people to only go one way or the other. Yeah, because I, I don't know. The more it's one of those things. Like the more you think about it, the more you can bring up different things here and then. You think, oh, if you've had a relationship that's had a particular effect on you, then maybe you would prefer to be with um, another gender. But then that obviously doesn't match with with what I've done. So I think there can be a number of different things. And um, mm-hmm. when I've spoken to other people that have gone along to therapy, I think for them. Um, more than for me it's been about just their relationship with that particular individual so it's not mattered whether it's uh, which gender they've gone to see but it's about their relationship with that person and how they've understood the challenges that that person's going through and how they're able to work on um, the things that they want to do in the future so sometimes there seems to be issues with 
um, like the goals that are set or the understanding or like you say having to kind of uh, continuously go over um, kind of old information um, and sometimes that's beneficial but if you feel like you're kind of updating someone when they could have just gone through and read your file that doesn't always feel like a good use of, of the time with that person and it's not always a great way to build that relationship I guess mm-hmm. do you feel that over that time then um, you've had relationships with therapists that have worked particularly well or those that have maybe not been as good yes um i think all my therapists have been um productive for me in certain ways um but i found that um i i work better with um therapists who uh, believe similar things to me, um, specifically um, work that I was Christian therapist. Um, I think we, and I'm not sure why that is, but when, when I have seen um, therapists in the past who have been um, um, not, a, not at all religious people, mm. um, I find that there's a little bit, we have a little bit less in common because of um, certain things that were religious that happened to me when I was younger. Um, it, it doesn't make as much sense to them. Um, but yeah, so it, not every therapist works for everybody. I've had a couple that I was just like, I'm not, you know, I'm not going <laughs> to pay a lot of money to see this person. Yeah, I think when it comes to that, um, I guess, understanding of what you're going through as well, it's very much a case of you're not talking to a a friend or a family member, you're talking to a professional and you expect kind of, I guess, a certain level of understanding from them about what you're going through because that's why you're, that's why you're going to them. Um, Yeah, 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 with the the therapist that I'm talking to now, she, um, she hasn't, ever been married and a lot of what I'm going through now has to do with um, my husband's leaving um, after eight years and I, I, I've I, only been seeing her for a couple months now and so I, I told her last week um, that sometimes I feel like maybe she can't understand certain things that I'm going through which, which uh, she in fact, she actually can, um, but there was a level of hesitancy for me about does does my therapist really understand um, the full scope of what is happening to me? Mm. And I think then if, for me, if they don't, I guess I don't expect a complete understanding of it from them, but they have an idea and ideas as to how to improve what you're going through rather than feel like oh it's kind of a generalized response Mm -hmm. um whereas i feel i've i don't know how i feel like i've been kind of lucky in the way that uh the first time i went to see my doctor um the two responses or the two actions that they gave me i've since found out are like the most common actions to give Mm -hmm. anyone um i've just been really fortunate that they've started to work for me or following those through um so the antidepressant that 
um, I was prescribed, although I've moved up to a higher dosage, that has mm-hmm. helped me. Um, the workshops that they directed me to, while they didn't give me the direct um kind of the way to apply it to myself that I needed starting through that process was really beneficial mm-hmm. um but I can see how if someone went along um and maybe they um had something uh, I don't know some issue that was maybe slightly different to my own or going through a slightly different experience how both of those things that have helped me maybe wouldn't have helped them um mm-hmm. and I think sometimes it is about having that relationship and understanding with with yourself and with the professional that you're seeing and knowing that you know what not every time it's going to be perfect you do need to try a couple of different things but I don't know that I would have felt like that if if the two things that I'd been sort of prescribed or tasked with hadn't have worked I'm not really sure how I would have felt about going back and saying actually um kind of thanks for giving me that information I've gone along and done that but that's not helped at all um I'm not sure how I would have felt in that situation yeah it's it's really sometimes when it comes to mental health and ways to help yourself um it's really um unfortunately it can be just trial and error yeah and I think that's what um I do feel kind of really lucky in that I have benefited from the fact that I haven't had to trial loads of different things. I feel like each new thing I've kind of taken on has been a progression from the last rather than this completely doesn't work. I need to shift across to something else. Mm-hmm. Um, I do feel quite lucky in that it's worked in that way. Um, mm-hmm. But like I say, I guess every situation is different and some people um, mm-hmm. will maybe have a greater understanding of of, of mental health as they move around um, and have to experience different types of therapies and treatments as well mm-hmm. yeah um, in my experience I mean I've been um, I've been doing therapy since I was 17 um, and I'm 28 now so I've tried a lot of different things a lot of different forms of therapy different therapists I've been to um, rehabilitation facilities um, which I found extremely unhelpful for me Mm. um so many people are helped by um that um mode of therapy um and medication i've i've been on pretty much every medication there is under the sun um i'm not very familiar with the one you're on i think it's probably called something else here in the yeah i think there's two i think there's two types of it over here and i think it's something completely different out there right um because i take citilopram so I, my understanding is it's yeah. one of the two most common antidepressants that are prescribed in the uk okay. um so i don't know do you have uh oh, i heard someone call it something else the other day um but yeah i'm not sure probably something like Zoloft yeah yeah I think yeah because you do have Zoloft and something else that are quite similar um Wellbutrin um uh, Prozac um I mean it's an SSRI yeah yeah Yeah. um I would think yeah it's probably similar if not exactly the same just with a different name yeah yeah so I I've I've been on almost every different medication some have really helped me and then I feel like they have sort of a 
a shelf life. They work for someone for a couple of years, a year, maybe two or three, mm. and and then and then they have to change to different medication or increase the dosage. And um, I mean, at, at one point, I was on I think nine different medications. Wow! At the same time. Sorry, what? At the same time. Yeah. Wow. Because when you, when you get into even, especially with um, atypical antipsychotics, um, you, you have to take a lot of medications just to counteract the side effects that they give you. Mm. So um, you may be taking three different um, uh, mood enhancers, but they have such bad side effects that you have to take three different other medications to counteract those side effects. Yeah, I think I've been quite lucky. I feel like, um, well, up until now, um, I feel like I've not really had a huge amount with regards to side effects. Obviously, the first sort of week or two weeks, um, I felt very, very sick in the morning. But apart from that, I don't really feel like I've had anything. Um, The reason why I say up until now um, is just because in the last couple of weeks, I've had quite a lot of shaking either in my hands or my feet. And I'm not sure if that's a reaction to that. Um, Thinking about that, yeah, yeah, and I'm, I'm really not sure. Um, I've been in and seen um, my doctor, and they said, "Oh, we don't really feel like it's related, um, because you've been taking it for a certain amount of time now. It shouldn't be something that suddenly flares up. Like it could have increased it if it was happening before, um, but it shouldn't then suddenly just start like that." Um, so it seems it seems a bit of a funny one. I'm not sure if it's related to um, the satilopram or maybe it's just a kick in of kind of a, a, a different anxiety um, now that I, well, I don't, I'm not sure um, but I've also had uh, like a health and well-being test at work uh, I think about two weeks ago um, and through that I found out I've got a really high uh, blood pressure which I need to go and have a look at so there's other things I guess that could have been affected by by taking that with regards to side effects that I've not necessarily noticed up until now um but then on the other hand it could be a lot of other things so i'm not too sure if they've kind of come in because i've taken um that drug for so long well not really that long i guess in relation to how long people are taking it but whether after a certain amount of time you then start to kick up different side effects rather than they just start straight away yeah yeah and it, it can be extremely confusing i um i have a shaking sort of a shaking thing too um and sometimes it's because I don't take my medicine at the same time every day. Yeah. So it's almost like, a oh, uh, your body really needs it. Um, so then you kind of go into a little bit of shock um, and almost like a, a, a withdrawal. I mean, if I, one of my medicines, if I don't take it um, every single night, if I skip a night, then um, I'm having seizures. It's, it's, it's that strong. Wow. So, yeah, I, I have to take um, another medication for seizures um, at the same time as my other. So it can be something like that or it can be totally unrelated. Yeah, no, I've had a couple of times where um, I felt particularly sort of uh, kind of a combination of being down or just vulnerable to like a reaction from yourself. Um, and for me, that usually comes um sort of i'd say around two days after because i've had a couple of days where i've missed where i've missed um taking it in the morning 
um and yeah for me that comes around sort of two days after um so i don't know if that's a case of maybe it sort of processes through your system and there's a gap in there where um you sort of not covered yourself and i think that's where um sometimes i'm not sure whether it's kind of in my head because i i'll usually remember like the next day or the end of that day i'm like oh i didn't take it this morning and then it almost puts it in your head that like oh in a couple of days like um i'm going to be a bit more vulnerable to stuff so I don't know right. if that's me playing off against myself or a true reaction to to not it taking be, it. It can be both. Yeah. <laughs> like you said, it becomes very confusing. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I've really enjoyed talking to you. Yeah, no, thank you for coming on. It's been really good to have kind of a little bit of a chat and find out a little bit more about, about yourself and um, follow up to the, the like the conversations that we've had on Twitter as well. Yeah, and um, I have a question. Are are you considering going visiting Australia again in the future? Um, oh, I I kind of don't know. From from the very second I landed back in the UK, um, I wanted to get back on the plane and go back. Yeah. Um, when uh when we went out to Australia, this is going to be like a backstory answer now. <laughs> um. <laughs> When we went out, originally we were looking at a, a four-year sponsored visa mm-hmm. uh, and got about halfway through the application before realising we were probably going to be unsuccessful at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so decided to go out on a uh, like a working holiday visa for a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and while we were out there to work and apply for the second year. So we'd get two years worth of experience out there, find out about jobs, travel around and see what we thought about um, living in Australia. Uh, while we were there, um, we made the decision to come back at the end of the first year, even though we'd done the work to apply for the second year. Uh, and then once we came back, obviously what happened happened. Um, and for me, I kind of wanted to leave myself really open to going back and that chance, I guess, I guess run away. Mm-hmm. Uh, having sort of settled yeah. a little bit now. Yeah. Um, I really still love the idea of going back out there. Um, I, I'd be very much of the mind that I wouldn't go back and do what I did before just because I couldn't afford it. <laughs> um, but yeah, if there was a job opportunity in the future, I'd, I would, I'd love to go back. Um, we didn't get to see any of New Zealand, so that would kind of have an appeal to me as well, just because I know it'll be similar with regards to the culture, but um, yeah. maybe a little bit more UK weather over there. <laughs> um <laughs> But I, I work in education, so it's trying to match up something that kind of matches with, with what you want to do career-wise. Um, for me, some of the stuff I struggled with out there um, was not having that the kind of the stability of good friends around you or a family. Yeah. Whereas I think if you went out there and you, you had a job and you were living somewhere, you start to create your own stability. So you have neighbours and people that you live around. You have work colleagues um so i'd be very much interested in it in the future it's not something i'd say i'm I'm proactively looking at um just because i feel like i'd rather have a little bit more to kind of get me started if i was to go out there but i yeah i'd love to go back but not actively seeking it at the moment okay what about you (laughs) (laughs) um well one of the reasons why I um, I left and came back to the States is because my mental health was not doing very well mm. um, at all. And I have more of a support network over here. My whole family is over here. 
Um, so going back, the only people that I would really know would be my husband and his family. Mm. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I'll ever go back again, but maybe just to visit, but not to live, I don't think. Yeah. You could go back to a different part of Australia, though. Uh, I'd be I'd be very isolated and alone. I mean, I wouldn't know anybody. Mm. I think it's um, it depends on your sort of situation as well. So for me, um, while more recently um, I spent a lot more time with family, um, I'm not. I wouldn't say sort of emotionally close to them. Um, so we'll spend time together and we can chat and we'll have a kind of a general chat about how you're doing and what's going on because they know a little bit now um but for me it was also about kind of I don't know I I just don't have that relationship with them um maybe that's based on stuff from when I'm younger I don't know uh but yeah so for me it wouldn't be as much of a, a deal to sort of move away from them as I think it would be for for someone in your situation where you've got such great support around you um with regards to the family um i think it's kind of a different um that would be a different sort of decision it would be a totally different (laughs) decision and i actually i've been in the states long enough to where i i've lost my permanent residency there so it would be a whole new visa. Oh thing. yeah, <laughs> yeah. The visa does cause a lot of issues. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, if I really wanted to go back, I'd probably have to think about what's on a skilled list, what's the closest to what I want to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, thanks for this conversation. No, thanks for coming on, and hopefully we can have another chat again in the future. Yeah, I'd love that. Um, and at the moment it's I think because it's the first time I'm talking to a lot of people as well it's kind of all sort of general chats and it's nice just to have that chance to talk about mental health in a a nice open way Um, and in the future maybe we'll have like sort of set topics or discussions and things and um, if people are happy maybe we'll do one um, where there's a few people on the podcast as well and I think that'll be really interesting to kick off um a bit of a conversation point or we pick something and we can all kind of feed into that um i think that's a great way to sort of it continues that conversation as well yeah and uh, um this is the first podcast i've ever been on so i hope i sound okay but um i'm sorry about the fan (laughs) (laughs) that's okay we've got (laughs) I think it's only like the first five minutes. I was like, what is that sound? I was looking around like, is it me? I'm not sure. And then I'm, your, your screen must have moved slightly. I was like, I think there's a fan. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um, are you happy if we do um, like a little introduction um, just to get you to sort of say hi? Um, I was just sure. trying to work out. Um, I might have to add on which episode it's going to be later. Um, so we'll just do like a general introduction. Hi, my name is Joy Richardson. I live in Orlando, Florida. My Twitter username is at Joy Pauline Smith. And my blog um, is www.joysvoices.blogspot.com. Yeah, that's a long website to remember. <laughs> I think I always end up having to do mine. I'll just put the website in the description. 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> cool. Thank you very much. What have you got planned for today? Sorry, what? What have you got planned for today? Oh, today. Um, nothing. You were just the only thing on my schedule today. Yay. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to have to go Pokemon hunting later. <laughs> it's like the only reason I go outside. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, what I'll do is it'll probably, I'll probably get the podcast to go up for about uh, a week and a half time. Um, okay. Just because I've got another one going up on Monday. Uh, and I'll add all of your information into the description as well so people will be able to sort of quickly go through and find you uh, okay. and then if there's anything with regards to like conversations you want to have in the future as well um, mm -hmm. that you'd like to do you can always let me know and we can have another one where we talk about specific stuff okay um, I'm still trying to work on me having an image as well on you mean a, the camera yeah um because <laughs> i'm running off of a like an old desktop um so it doesn't uh -huh. have a camera on it um but yeah. i've got like a a small dslr camera and i was like oh that'd be great because i can plug it in and it can be used as my camera um, right but apparently it has to plug into a like a uh htmi slot oh, yeah. Yeah. um and on the back of my computer i've only got one of those which the screen is plugged into <laughs> mm -hmm. um so i need to work on somehow getting another plug in there or um right. something but yeah thank you very much and i hope you have a lovely day and we'll talk again soon okay thanks mike bye <laughs>